Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey there. Before you start listening, please make sure to subscribe to this podcast. This episode contains language and content of an explicit nature. Listener discretion is advised. Before a song is released, a record is produced, or a chorus is written, the musicians that write them think a lot. They live a lot, and they feel a lot. Before the chorus dives into the stories and experiences that shape these artists, and ultimately, the music we hear. I'm your host, Sophia Lepercaro, and this episode's guest is Red Rum Club. He's coming to, coming to realize how important Liverpool and, and, and home and the people of home and the community at home means to us, because all we do as a band you spend six to nine months a year away from home. Yeah. So when you come back, then you go like, oh, right, okay, okay, I've seen the whales and stuff, but then when you're back and you're writing an album, you go, okay, let's write it about this place that we've missed so much. Yeah. Hey there, welcome back to Before the Chorus with me, Sophia Lopercaro. I hope that you had a good weekend and a good previous week. I feel like my week hasn't been super eventful on the music front um i went to the my usual favorite jam night this week which to be fair was amazing new school jams did a soul train theme night i end up talking about them a lot but they do their events quite regularly so and i i try and go as much as i can because it's a community that i love very much so yeah it was it was absolutely fantastic so that's that's I guess what I can say about that. Um, but again, I've told you quite a lot about them already. So you know what I kind of want to talk about? This is going to be some really silly niche shit for a minute. So bear with me. Um, there is a series on Netflix called Documentary Now. It is a series created by Fred Armisen and Bill Hader, formerly of SNL fame, Um part of one of my favorite eras of SNL and they do some of the best musical parodies that I have ever seen in my life. Many of them are a few years old at this point so like I'm not even talking about something topically relevant right now. Um sorry but hopefully <laughs> hopefully it's still interesting you know what? I think it is because I have showed two separate friends um clips or songs from these musical parodies in the last few weeks and they both blew their fucking minds so you know what I think it's very fair that I talk to you about this so I'm going to um I found myself revisiting first a parody that they created called gentle and soft the story of the blue jean committee it is about a fictional band who are all about the sort of like california like soft rock think like crosby stills and nash the eagles sort of sound and about the one album that they made that was like a timeless classic and then the whole band fell apart very fleetwood mac-esque obviously fleetwood mac have 
put out more than one iconic record, but the lore around rumors is everything that it is. So yeah, the reason I'm I'm mentioning this is for one, my favorite kind of musical parody is a musical parody, or my favorite kind of any parody, is one that has a an understanding of whatever it's trying to parody down to a granular level and a respect and love for it. Like you can tell when you watch this documentary that these guys know and love the music that it is inspired by. And the reason I think that's so important is because when you know something on a glam, a glanular, that's not a word, granular level, you can parody it better um, because you can get into like the fine niche details that make it what it is and make them silly and it is truly the best thing ever also like the songs are fucking bangers like i have been unironically listening to the songs that they made for this fake documentary in my car over and over again i also live in california so these like songs called like catalina breeze and freeway feel weirdly perfect for driving on a sunny day even though they're simultaneously ridiculous anyway just I I cannot implore you more to go watch this documentary. Um, it's a two-parter and the two parts are 20 minutes, so it's not going to take a lot of your day and it's going to make your day so much better. There's another one as well for all my musical theater fans. It's called Co-op, the original cast recording. And it's basically um, a, a mockumentary of a cast recording of Company, uh, the musical by Stephen Sondheim. And same thing, every song is like a perfect copycat of Sondheim's style um, while simultaneously being completely ridiculous and dry and funny. They also got actors like Renee Elise Goldsberry, who was in Rent many years ago, played Angelica in the original cast of Hamilton, Alex Brightman, who was in the original cast of School of Rock on Broadway, playing the titular, or not titular character, but the character that Jack Black plays in the movie. Um, and so, like, they've got these, like, incredible people involved. Um, John Mulaney and Taryn Killam from SNL are also involved in it. Just, again, just go watch this. It is free serotonin that I... And presenting to you and it will again make your life better so you're welcome in advance i think now that i've gone on a tirade that nobody asked for about brilliant musical mockumentaries i think it's about time that i talk about this week's guest so i've known red rum club dear god uh for like i want to say six seven years now Back when I used to live in London, my friend Peggy would put on a monthly night in East London at a spot called the Hoxton Square Bar and Kitchen. And she'd always bring in this genre diverse lineup of people. All of our friends would come to these events like we're all super loyal to it. I mean, we all kind of knew each other from also volunteering with So Far Sounds in London. So we had this like really, again, tight knit large group of people that would come and support these shows and we just always have the best time all together and Red Rum Club were one of the bands that regularly played there so that and that that experience of going to those shows seeing them and seeing so many of the other artists that would play it's very much a a precious precious memory and I think one of the kind of like defining things that I did with my time in London 
because again, I, I'm sure I've mentioned, not, I'm not just sure, no, I have mentioned many times on this podcast that I lived there for three years. Um, it's why I, I still work with so many British artists on, on Before the Chorus. And so when their team reached out to me to be like, hey, Red Rum Club are releasing a new record. Do you want to have them on? I immediately said yes, because it just brought me back to that wonderful place and brought me to the joy of those events, brought me to the joy of hearing their music because they are such a fun, vibrant live band to go see. If you um, live in the UK, you should go see them. Also, I think they're, no, not I think, I know that they are touring through the US in the spring as well. So go on their socials and check the dates for that because they're, again, they are such a fun live band and you don't want to miss it. And now they have this new record, Western Approaches, that's out that they're going to be playing stuff from. And it is fantastic. We it, This conversation was really fun because even though I do a lot of analysis before I go into a conversation, sometimes certain things kind of reveal themselves in the conversation that in turn lead to even more conversation. And I felt that happen a lot in this one where the more things were said, the more I started to realize even more about the record, which I guess ends up happening, you know, in every conversation, because obviously I don't speak for the artists at the end of the day. They're here to tell me their stories. It, it, there were these kind of like you, there were these types of euphoria moments that I usually mostly have when I'm doing my preparation process. So it was really fun to kind of experience some extra ones of those as we were talking as well. So with all that in mind, I am going to leave you to my conversation with Red Rum Club. The title track is uh, an instrumental, and I so we'll kind of jump down to the second one, which is Godless. And I remember reading through the lyrics of this the other day, and maybe it's just because it's something that I've experienced. Like, I don't know if you've ever had this, but I've found myself at times, like, envious of people that have more faith than me. Um, because, like, it feels like they have this, like, external uh, existential purpose that that I don't and I remember going through a period of my life where I was particularly feeling that. And so reading these lyrics felt very like, oh, yeah, I've been there. Yeah. And I think this one was probably it's quite um, all of us sort of come to this sort of uh, come to this stage of our lives together. I think we sort of took we done a few tours of the UK and we went to America a couple of times and we realized that there was no real like power above us. You know what I mean? Like we were. You know, you know when you grow up and you think, oh, there's there's a, there's there's people in con in in control and in charge, and there's grown ups and there's a grown up world and all that. And then we began sort of being in the grown up world and seeing a bit of the world through the bands and realizing that, like, oh, actually, it's it's just us. You know what I mean? Like, we you've got to make the best of what you've got. It's like a bit of a come of age story. I think. Totally, yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, I know that when I was going through that same type of existential crisis, it was right when I left London. I was twenty two. I'm I'm 27 now and it was yeah it totally coincided with that moment of like I have to take care of my own shit now oh my god how am I gonna do this yeah and seeing anyone anyone else who you thought was in power so your heroes even like your parents and it and, and the establishments religion being one of them that, that you you'd always sort of had the comfort of you sort of see through some of them as well you see and sort of see like oh so just making it up as to go along as yeah, well, like just a little bit. Blindly, like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which can be, I mean, at first is very daunting, but I think in some ways, as you get used to it, it can also be 
it kind of takes some pressure off as well in the sense that like you know we kind of hold these to your point these people in our lives on pedestals um especially like parental figures or or any authority figure and when you realize that you know they're not always right like i don't know i feel like you start to kind of find your own voice and give yourself a little more grace too you know yeah it's it's free it's free and isn't it it gives you the freedom you're like all oh, right there's no one in control of it and then you go that's a scary thing and then you go oh actually there's no one in control i can do what i want literally so, yeah again i went through that exact same journey at a certain point in my life so i i really enjoyed finding that reflected in this song um and yeah it is freeing um that very much switching it up because we're going to move on to the next song which is black cat first of all i have to say that the the line get back black cat just immediately made my brain go to honky cat by elton john because there's the line get oh, back honky yeah. cat which which made me smile because it's one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, but again, another one that I think I definitely, it hit a little close to home. Um, you know, like that line, I'm no doormat for you to hide your feelings under. It was just like, ow, um, fuck. Yeah. yeah I, you know, I feel like, again, it's definitely somewhere that, we've all been and I when I was reading about this song like it kind of felt like the idea was like you know you're doing everything right to take care of yourself and yet these people still kind of find you these maybe not so great people is that like sort of like like I guess if you want to expand on that a little bit I'd be curious to hear I mean it doesn't always deep as that but maybe I think uh, one of them it's, it's a few interpretations of it I mean Tom wrote the song uh, you wrote some of the lyrics as well, didn't you? You wrote a verse of it, didn't you? I think. No, I just changed some of the I think it wrote like three lines. Yeah. I think the main thing was just kind of to get that kind of like energy of like it's almost like relationships, you know, when you you've got that kind of back and forth as well. And like you're battling a little bit and it don't it's you're a bit insecure, but I mean the main thing with that one for me is the music. It's just it's very much like back it's almost a bit more immature, like back to the original album, like our first one. And it's got that kind of sonic as well. So, uh, like, it always, it's almost like a bit of a nod back to Matador. They're both very aggressive songs that we started the album with, but we wanted to grab people's attention as well, you know. So, well, that's that's what I remember saying to Tom. We need a bit angst. We need a bit of angst in the in the. You know, we need a bit a bit of a throat punch or something. And it was about a week later where Tom just sent this voice note of the whole song like at on an acoustic guitar. And he said, I think it was something like, is that, uh, there's your angst or something. He just went away and did exactly what we sort of wanted or we felt like the album needed. Yeah, um, we've done a lot of songs over the years, you know what I mean? It's a very easy one to write about. And even though Black Cat probably is a bit of a love song, it's just a slightly different take and a bit more like, well, like Angeline really, which is always what we kind of compared it back to from the first album. So it's a little bit more like, a little bit cheekier and a little bit more like, um, Back and forth, and he said, "You know, it's hard to explain." It's hard to, yeah, yeah. To... I think I think Godless was a little bit like, "Oh my God, we're pleading, we're like on our knees, and like, oh my God, there's God, there's no God. What are we gonna do?" And then Black Cat was sort of the extension of like, of all these people, yeah, with, more power, with, like, yeah. yeah, with like, stand up and like, tell tell the that thing that that's the new way that Black Cat to get out the way, like, like that sort of thing was, is it was just sort of sort of a good way of starting the album you know those two mm. things of like oh my god you know we're down in the dumps and then going right actually let's pull ourselves together and then the rest of the album takes it from there so 
it kind of weirdly follows the arc that we were just talking about with Godless, like that moment of first feeling again, like you said, you're not in control, you're you're kind of helpless, and then realizing like, actually, yes, I am. And so it, I guess in that sense, it, it sort of follows it really nicely. Also, sonically, I think, I mean, like the the opening three songs, like, I mean, this the album is called Western Approaches, which just immediately makes my brain go straight to like, kind of like gunslinger, like very like, southern and western united states but i think sonically all of these three songs really have that feeling in particular like they kind of sound like again like like very guns a blazing very it's like that sort of western like i wouldn't at all call it like country music but you know what i mean like when you think of like a john wayne film or like a clint eastwood like that sort of energy which is a really fun place to live in for a minute and and it was sort of Western Approaches is a museum, a, an old where well, it's a museum now, but it was a World War II bunker in Liverpool that would protect merchant ships coming from America. Um, so quite ironically, you know, you said the gunslinger theme in the first three songs. Um, Western Approaches itself was there's very much a, a gun theme there, you know, just in in that in in the museum in the war room. Uh, so we sort of had to reflect it in the, in a sense that like. Better reflect a little bit of the angsty, gritty, um, sort of powerful conflict um, opening for the main thing. Are you going to the American influence as well? Because literally, since that third album, we went to America, you know, like a few times at this point. So it really was starting to influence the songs that have been written for that album, particularly like um, a couple afterwards as well. Was there something particular? Like, like was it like, I don't know if, there was certain shows that you went to while you were touring through the states or like records that you found or like anything that you think really started to like bleed into your sound like or do you think it was just the general experience of being here well yeah the, the general experience of being it i think it just freed us up a little bit because going so far from home jumping on a plane and going to la and playing denver and playing austin and new orleans and all these places and still seeing that the, the songs work we were like just freed us a little bit to be like, well, what was what we think is good is is sort of being good in the U.S. as well. So people are receiving it, so we're doing something right. So freed us up. But then when we come home, we move studio from City Center to the, the Docklands. So we'd have like big container ships coming into our studio or not into our studio, but next yeah. to our studio within fifty meters of our studio, and we were like, oh, this, they've probably been over in America or they've been. You know they've come down the Mersey, come across the Atlantic, whatever, and um, so that sort of bled into it. We we always had to, I think, in this album, reflect where the band were, were in a sense that like our new American venture journey. Yeah, yeah. I think with it... the doc with the dockland elements as well, like obviously because we've been away so much, coming back and being home, being immersed in home. I think having that dock dockland industrial sound as well that really influenced the album because obviously we've been away for so long and actually come home and actually have to focus on something and be in the same place at the same time which we hadn't done for the last two years never mind like yeah. going to america but around the uk as well so i think that really had a big um, effect on what we produced and we 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 uh i say we've been to america four times now and we all got into music um probably because of the beatles i think all six of us would say the beatles were the ones and they got into music because music was coming up coming across the atlantic in these ships that we were then seeing on a daily basis walking into our studio so it's sort of had this crazy sort of you know like look into the past and the american uh sort of link it's weird yeah. looking at it, isn't it? like 
getting deep into it. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. I mean, well, this is what we do on the podcast. We we kind of dig into all this stuff and I love it. You know, I do a lot of like lyrical analysis, which, you know, we're going to continue to do, but it's it's really fun to kind of also step back and hear the more like personal connections to the sound of a record as well, you know, because obviously there's something important there. You know, like, so also I should add, so I, despite having lived in the UK for many years at, you know, as, which is why I know you guys, you know, I've never been to Liverpool, you know, the only point of reference, because you mentioned like the Beatles and the Docklands for some reason, I don't know if you ever watched the film Across the Universe, but there's like these very specific scenes. It's, it's so, since you're Beatles fans, I highly recommend it. It's a, it's a jukebox musical film, all using music from the Beatles. And it's about this young man uh named jude they're a little on the nose with those parts of it um oh, right, right. but but he grows up in like i'm like kind of like the industrial part of liverpool and then like makes his way to america and then like falls in love with a girl there and joins the hippie movement it's a little bit cheesy but it's really beautifully done it's very like abstract and weird kind of leans into a lot of the trippy imagery but i don't know something about everything that we're talking about just made my brain go there because i could just like kind of picture I mean, it's a very, you know, cinema or romanticized or whatever, like, version of, of a place, but I couldn't help but think of it. Yeah, I'll watch that tonight. Want to get it. Do. But, yeah, well, I guess moving on from there, because, again, each, like I said, each of these songs sort of holds something very different, but going to Afternoon, which, you know, is a song that very much does take place in America. If I remember correctly, you guys wrote it in Austin, Texas, around the time of South by, in in the haze that is caused by South by Southwest. I would know. I have been. Um, but I like that it almost, you know, it almost turned that sort of, you know, that, again, that, like, in between the night and the morning haze into almost a love song as well. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually, it was actually called Afternoon. Really? Initially, uh, I, like we tried, to, Tom tried to create a time of day. He wants this to be like, oh, let's call the afternoon. It's not the morning, it's not the night, it's afternoon. Um, but then we went to the studio, and the producer said, no, that's rubbish. <laughs> so we just said that's an afternoon. Yeah, it doesn't quite make sense with the lyrics, but no, no. It, makes, uh, so it makes a catchier to you. Sometimes you have to sacrifice that kind of thing just for the, yeah. uh, the well. It's like, it is for the art, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It was a cool little there time. It was his last time we went to South by. We had this proper, like, nice backyard and um, cool. a big fire in the garden as well. Like, just uh, barbecue and stuff. And uh, I don't know, it just, it almost felt like quite precious and romantic, you know what I mean? So, I mean, that's where Tom really picked up the ideas from it. Yeah. And I think there's something, it's funny, I did, I was, I, I've started doing this thing um, on my social media where I like I try like pick certain songs that like fit a certain mood and like compile them. And yesterday I did one where I had said it's songs that feel like staring at your ceiling at night. And the reason I bring this up is because there's something weirdly beautiful about like being in this sort of like hazy state like that. Like you said, like it's whether it's late at night or early into the morning, you're kind of like half asleep, a little bit delirious. But there's this also like weird like it's really hard to explain, but it's like this joy that you feel in those kind of moments. And it's, I, again, I don't know, quite know how to put my finger on it. It's this really abstract feeling, but I think it's like one of the loveliest things that we get to experience as yeah, human no beings. Yeah, no one's watching you. There's yeah. no judgment. It's just there. It's just two people there or whoever you're with at the time. Yeah. Just, yeah, literally a bit delirious. No one's like, 
you just laugh at anything, can't you? No one's really like, no one's really listening to what people are saying. They're just feeling the same mood, like you're saying. Yeah. No, no sense ever gets spoken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In those probably. moments, no, God, no, no true words ever get spoken. You probably learn the most about people in the yeah. Yeah. as well. Yeah. I same way. I'm realizing, and actually now I'm thinking about this because I've had a lot of conversations too with artists about like more abstract lyricism and it's, which I'll, I'll explain the, the link here, but you know, I'm often someone who's very logical and is like, I like being able to like spell out and explain certain things, but there's like this weird beauty in those kind of moments where, again, it's, you can't explain it. You can't kind of create a logic around it. It's kind of like, I know like the expression no thoughts just vibes is like a very gen z stupid thing to say but in a sense it's like whatever the purest form of that is like there's there's no more room for that you're just kind of purely feeling and not quantifying it yeah and uh, yeah and and i always just see this song as the coming of the life like black cat godless all the things and then this moment is the delirious moments and then the light and sense comes after that. Yeah. You know, if you know what I mean, like the totally. This is sort of like the morning of the. Uh, we start the we start the album in the night, if you know what I mean, and then the morning comes and afternoon is that hazy, spiritual basement <laughs> time. It's an important point because otherwise the theme of the album, I think, if you kept going too aggressive, it wouldn't quite reflect like what the album means. If you know what I mean, like it's about all covers a lot of topics, but having afternoon there, I think it's quite like shocking, especially when you hear that riff and it's quite very major it's very happy like gives you that gives you that sense straight to life doesn't it what it's about and totally. seven that after something that's so aggressive as black cat i think it's quite important just to kind of go oh i don't know what this album about i don't know where this is going but i'm interested to see it very close you know yeah it, it said it's a journey isn't it you don't just be so predictable you gotta have like a few cables in there yeah and i mean that's what life is it's a lot of yeah like you said kind of going through these moments of fog and clarity and and it's it's nice and like you said it makes it more interesting which is why going into the next song is kind of i guess it it's a in in the best possible way a confusing mix of both at the same time because it's also very major chords very upbeat sounding but it's the most like existentially like nihilistic like fuck everything and that song is undertaker you know like it it makes me think and i again i know that i read some of this too but you know I'm not Gen Z myself. I'm I'm a year before Gen Z, but they're a very again nihilistic generation, and they have a very dark sense of humor, and it feels like this nods to that. Yeah, I think it's losing. It's sort of afternoon sort of reflected in that of like that hazy period. Everyone is just lost in that. Everyone just wants to be in that all the time because we're so that because people are nihilistic if you if you can't see the lights then you just stay in that that yeah i'll take it but yeah um going i guess going back in like i've been continuing to talk about undertaker a little bit like i guess one thing that i i guess enjoy about it is even though like it's nihilistic like you said it's kind of it's funny you know i mean again it's all major chords it kind of plays like a like a joyful romp and yet you know, it's profoundly like, it's like, oh, the end of the world is coming. Take me. Fuck it. You know, like, and, you know, like, I see why so many of us young people are like that. You know, like, we kind of got handed a, well, a shit, shit hand. And I think we just, for us, like, humor is kind of the only way out, you know? 
Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it was sort of in the nineteen seventies, everyone went into individualism, so everyone like went really introverted and stuff. Now we just went into our phones. It's a similar sort of thing, but we just went into our phones. So the first line is oh, the first two lines is run a to the rapture and miss the best bet to capture, and like that's where we that's where we go. You know, when we're feeling down or something bad's happening. You go to your phone and you're all right, and that's what it is, and it's not really happening. You take a picture of the world, um, you know, Armageddon happening, just take a picture of it because that's the only way we know to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've got some interesting coping mechanisms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I guess, again, talking about the way that this album flows, it's interesting then that the next two songs, you know, we're going from this like hyper individualistic, introverted sort of perspective on Undertaker. To two songs that are about realizing that you need someone. You know, you have A Hole in My Home and you have Last Minute. And even though, I mean, they're love songs, but it's kind of interesting kind of watching that like opposite, like going from, again, being very, like you said, self-centered, introverted in your phone, cynical to, no, this like connection in my life is actually really important and I've been lacking it. Yeah. I feel like, I feel Hole in My Home is sort of like, I always feel like different for me to the other boys. I think that you said it's a love song. I see it as a love song, but I also see it as like a, the passing of time. So like that hole can be anything. That hole can be like anything or anyone. Um. So yeah, I I, I just see that as like a, an extent existential. Like sort of oh my god, we're all gonna, we're all here, and then then one day we're off. Obviously, last minute is a, is a love song. Um, but yeah, I see holding my home. It's just a little bit more of a. I I always pictured it me stood still and the world fast forward around and the, the world changes that sort of. The, I, that's that's the thing that I always have in my head all the time. I think that's what's nice about the lyrics on this album. You can get quite deep, with but in many different ways. I think everyone listening to them songs would have a different thing. Like for me, them still are like kind of the fear of losing something that you've held very close to you. You know what I mean? Like. Not necessarily as on the nose as the lyrics are, but just that fear of like that happening and just like I couldn't bear to imagine what that would be like without that this is kinda how they feel like because they both they bring up that emotion in you, especially like chorus and all my own, the the melody of it. It's very like um, very powerful and very intense. And I think uh, and last minute just how like isolated everything is. And even with just like the little background noises, it just it really evokes that emotion like I think me and Mike, when we first said last minute back on the studio, we're both in tears listening to it because it's just like so relatable and just like beautiful song. You know what I mean? Like it really opens you up, which I think is quite interesting when it's talking about kind of like closing yourself off with Godless and Black Cat and being a bit more tough. And then I don't know, it just explores a lot of different dimensions of life. I think this album at this point, and it does. Particularly that first half of the album is very much touching on that. I think, oh, well, uh, yeah. I feel like as we're talking about it, I'm realizing how much of this song, or not this song, how much of this record has to do with trying to accept change, accept new things coming in and let, letting go of old things, whether those new things are good or they're terrible. It's like just trying to absorb whatever is coming through. We reflect our careers as well, because like we're at this point now, it's album four, you know, like we've been there, we, we know what's coming, like we know the industry like you know we know we're doing a bit more now we've got a bit more announced but like 
I mean, it, like you say, it's a bit scarier then because you start to become like more responsible and, you know, it's like if, if it just doesn't happen, it's because we haven't done it, you know, like, and you feel that responsibility. So it's quite interesting. Like, I, I haven't really thought about the lyrics that deeply either. It's just when you talk about it more, you can start to make more patterns on you with it. Yeah. And yeah. then the, the whole feel of like, um, if, if, if being called Western Approaches is like an ode to past history of our home, where, Whereas probably subconsciously because we value it so much and we've um, come to come to realise how important Liverpool and, and and home and the people of home and the community at home means to us because all we do as a band you spend six to nine months a year away from home. Yeah. So when you come back then you go like, Oh right, okay, okay, I've seen the whales and stuff, but then when you're back and you're writing an album, you go, Okay, let's write it about this place that we've missed so much. Yeah. With little hints of here and there, maybe. Yeah. You know, this is slightly different, but I'll kind of explain why I'm connecting it. But one of my favorite lyrics of all time is in a song by Fleet Foxes called Third of May. And it's the line is, I actually have a tattoo in honor of said lyric. Um, I'll show it closer in a second. But the line is, I am only owed this shape if I make a line to hold. To be held within oneself is death like, oh, I know. And what it means is the connections that we have in our lives, the things that, you know, are truly meaningful to us are the things that make life worth living and make us feel grounded, make us feel good. And so even though that song is maybe talking more about people, I mean, well, home contains people, you know, like the place that you call home and and watching people like actually even that record was written during a time where this person was going through like a period of hyper individualism and realizing he needed his friends, he needed his bandmates, he needed his community to give his life meaning. And so in its own way, it's its own kind of homecoming, which is why I guess I'm I'm kind of creating this parallel here. But those I, I know for me, those are some of the most meaningful songs because I know how isolating our world in its current state can be and how much that's impacted me so watching people wake up to that and whether that be in their own lives or in your case through your art i think is a really beautiful thing and it's probably something it's probably something that goes unsaid between us to be honest it's yeah. like you just get it you're just like oh yeah i get that and you get why each song is you know why, why each song plays a part and what all of these still be in and, and the album why the album sounds complete it's like oh it all sounds complete because of something we can't quite put our our points our, our finger on it but we need someone like you to like from the outside maybe tell us <laughs> tell us what we've just done yeah. i i hear that a lot you could you make sense of it all uh, i mean well i i take a lot of pride in this job um but it's it's fine like some people I, th I think that's kind of the beauty of different approaches to songwriting some people know like exactly to like a granular level exactly what they're writing about in each moment and some people don't and i think there's something kind of beautiful about both you know like sometimes like it's almost like your subconscious is kind of like letting a lot of things out and it's only like you said when you step away from it or someone else comes to you with an interpretation that you start to see it. And I again, I, it's one of my favorite things about talking to musicians about that is seeing all these different approaches and how people kind of, I guess, absorb their own songwriting and, and experience it, you know? Yeah, like why, why did I ask Tom to write a song with angst? <laughs> like why did I need, yeah. I, didn't, I don't know, just felt it, I was just like this, the album needs a bit of angst, it needs something, that, uh, like I, I can't put my finger on it, you're, you know, you, you're better at 
you know more than I do about myself, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's real so funny, yeah. I mean, like, also, you guys have been a band for a long time, so even though there's, you know, you're always going to have to try and, like, reconcile your, your individual stories and how those come together, to your point, now, like, you can kind of observe each other and write about your lives, which is sort of fascinating, you know? I'm sure you know each other pretty damn well at this point. Yeah, too well. <laughs> a, little too, a little too close for comfort, yeah. Well, well. speaking of angst, you know, we're going into Houdini now, which I think in a way kind of has a similar feeling to Black Cat, at least lyrically, because it's also quite cynical, you know? Was this another one that you were like, we need more the angst? Of them, oh, sorry. I was going to say, is this another song where you're like, I need more angst, or...? No, no, this is the... As soon as Tom brought it, he brought it in complete, and it was like, yeah, we know straight away. It, it, it. I think it was the, not so much angst, but maybe maybe the title, Houdini, was like, all right, that's sort of it. You know, the sort of black cast, Houdini, the smoke and mirrors, maybe, unlucky, that all just fit. Um, yeah, but then we knew straight away what it was about, and... and, and and yeah. I think we've all we've all been in that situation, in you know, in, or still are in situations like that. We all have relationships with someone or something that you that you could be talking about in that song. It's crazy how metaphorical it is, but like how relatable it is. Like it's almost like because it's Paulus the magician theme, so like on the nose, you know what I mean? It yeah. can almost be seen as a little bit like not that genuine, but I don't know. Just the the metaphors he chose and the way he he done it. It, it's really it's home like you know what I mean it's a proper like you can relate to it like if you've ever had your heart broken and like someone's just vanished out of nowhere or yeah exactly like everyone's done it haven't they like there's a full film in that there's a, there's a, that song should be a film yeah you know like I always had that film I, I've had this yeah I've, I've had this as soon as I heard it I was like that's a that's a ring boy that that's you know in a circus I was like he's fell in love with the with the um, the ringmaster who's a woman and he just feeds the lions. He's got the worst job and the, the, he has to look out the elephants and stuff and he looks at this woman and thinks that she's amazing and, and he builds it up in this in, in, in his own head and then she she always she gives him a, a you know a chance and then she pulls the rug from under him and she like messes with his head in this sort of crazy mad way. Yeah. And she, you know, he's walking the city, he's trying to like, he tries to become a clown for it, or he tries to, you know, he tries to show how strong he is, lifting the weights, or like, you know, being the lion job. He's a it's very cinematic, isn't it? Evokes yeah. that kind of thinking. Yeah, can you, you stop can you please stop describing my life? Thank you. Uh, <laughs> with the That's gender roles. I, like I mean, with the gender roles reversed, but I am a. You were sick. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm a. All I'll say is I am a 27 year old woman in the dating scene in Los Angeles. I don't think I need to explain yeah, yeah. further. Right. Um, uh, but it, I always find it so cathartic when people put things in the right words. Um, and I think that both Black Hat and Houdini really do that. I think there's there's very much that symbolism of someone like using someone for what they can give them because they get attention from them. You know, like using you almost like an emotional surrogate, if you will, not like someone that you actually care about. And so and I've 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 experienced that. I've seen far too many people live through that. So it, it was nice to find it put into the right words, essentially. Yeah. It's two different sides of it as well, isn't it? The anger and the sorrow, like, you know, one hits one hits a little bit more um, deeply, but 
the other one is just as true. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, we talked about, you know, we've talked about songs like Last Minute and Hole in My Home. And then also like later in the record, we have Alive, which are kind of like the opposite sentiment, whereas Houdini and Hole in, or not Hole in My Home, Houdini and Black Cat are kind of pushing someone not so great away. Those other three songs are more about letting someone in. And it's it's kind of beautiful seeing like, even though there's these stories of pain, there's also stories of being able to be vulnerable and letting people in, you know? Yeah, yeah I, 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 I think it's a lot of like it as a, it's a little bit of a reflective thing of like, okay, you can listen to Black Cat or I can sing Black Cat and Houdini and be the, be the, the person feeling person and the other person being, uh, being sort of like, uh, out of order. But I think with Alive, I always feel the other way around of like, I was thinking, like, am I the one who's like doing that? You know what I mean? I like, I feel you know, like, like letting, so, letting, knowing it's bad for you and knowing it's bad for the other person, but still being selfish, still, still being selfish yeah. doing it and then doing the same. Like, when, you know, we know this is not right and this is something, but it, it makes you feel alive. Yeah. That sort of like, Body yeah, like fucking moments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Again, Al. usually, usually <laughs> post midnight, two a.m. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've all been there. Yeah. The the this looks like a good idea yeah. right now. It won't look like a good idea in a few hours, but right now, <laughs> this is a brilliant yeah. idea. Weirdly, I think that Daisy has a sort of similar sentiment. It's like kind of trying to like make it up to someone, but it's a little bit cheeky, you know? Like, yeah. hey, I fucked up, but also like, yeah. <laughs> can we hang out? Yeah. Like, nothing's wrong, right? Right? It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, the music's it's it's painfully positive. The music isn't it for the lyrics, like it's just very uh it's very much trying to pull the rug over someone pull over someone's eyes and be like, I didn't do that, it's all good. Come on, let's It's okay, sunshine and let's yeah. all just jump on the trains to town and we get a drink, it'll be good. It's all slightly comedic, isn't it? It's really funny. I love it. Um I will say another thing that Daisy made me think about, I think just cause sonically thinking about like your American travels, like I kind of I feel like there's a lot of these sort of songs about like, you know, like the girl that needs to get out of her bad job or get out of town. And there's like some guy like trying to either rescue her or court her in like the era of like the 1970s. Like there's something about it that makes me think right to like the Sunset Strip. It makes me think of like, I mean, it's called Daisy. So my brain also went to the show Daisy Jones, the six. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. Made me think of, uh, even though this is much more 80s, like like the sentiment of like living on a prayer by Bon Jovi, like people needing to get out of a rut. And I yeah, know yeah. and so like it kind of put me like, you know, you're talking about like Houdini being very cinematic. There's something about Daisy that feels very cinematic as well. Yeah, 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 it is, yeah. There's a there's a film in it, you know what I mean? What does he do? Why is that the second chance? Like that yeah, yeah. It's funny though, because I see it's very close to on Daisy because it almost sounds scouts when you sing it, like in um in our dialect, like when you hear Franny, I think we have to tone it down a little bit for the album, but like yeah. it's quite um it's quite like a Liverpool thing the way you say that chorus, you know what I mean? It's quite a uh, quite a cheeky scouts like uh we can get to even like the Daisy like we can get to train into town and like they're all like very much sayings that everyone says, like you know, it's quite colloquial in that way. Totally. I mean, it is ironic that I'm saying that I think it sounds like it's on the Sunset Strip because we don't do trains in Los Angeles. Everything no, is cars. You do, you do not do trains. We know that. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sure you learned that lesson yeah, the easy are. way, I'm sure. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, I guess I, I just maybe just sonically too, and like just having that word Western kind of in the back of my head, like just hitting my subconscious. Like I, I just kept thinking, like I could just imagine a woman with like long wavy hair and bell bottoms, like, and some guy like kind of like I don't know why I'm walking like this, but you know, like kind of, you know, the whatever the like, I guess, fi- not physical but like mental equivalent of like this shit is, you know, like the yeah, kind of like man yeah, rubbing his mean. hands together. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah well, it was a lot of fun to record Daisy as well. Like we had a lot of fun with it. Like we tried some really out there stuff, didn't we? Like stuff that we never tried before, just off the cuff, like very distorted. Like we kissed it, yeah. it kissed the reader, it kissed an the reader, but yeah. it spring and it like made this big mad sound. We just put it in chorus to some yeah, really like, beautiful. You did like the little air bullet mic stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, oh, I found had a lot of fun. It was one of them songs where like. So it's quite a traditional, like, it's a blues song, you know what I mean? It's not, like, it's not that deep, which we've never really kind of went before. And so when we were arranging it and stuff, we, we went through about 20 different versions of it as well because it's just, like, we don't want it to be a blues shuffle. Like, it, it needs more than that because the lyrics are so good. And we wanted to do it justice. So really that Rich, the producer on this record, just have his way with it. And he, I think his way of it was basically have fun with it, Metal. be a bit silly with it, be yeah, a bit just kind of lean into the kind of the meaning of the lyrics where it's all kind of carefree, you know, or whatever. Do that now and then. back to the day, whatever, you know, just like. Just kick that on for me, make that sound, and that's yeah. all it is. Like very yeah. uh, nonchalant. <laughs> it's fun. I I love, I really love Daisy. It's it's such a joyful song, which is, I guess, interesting because now we're about to go into the last song of the record. I kind of switched some order around, but, you know, Jigsaw Shores, which is a little less happy. Um you know what you were saying about Alive, like that idea of two people being bad for each other. Now, Alive is maybe a little more of like within the world of like, I guess, like hookup culture, whereas Jigsaw Shores feels like that, like two people that are bad for each other, but like something deeper, you know? Yeah. And it kind of carries been, that weight. Yeah, they've, they've been bad for each other for a long time. And the scars go deep. And, you know, the lows are very, very low, like that. That's the sort of, um, I think it sort of leaves, it leaves you suspended, that song. I think it's like, I think it like, probably why it's last on the uh, on the album too, it leaves you, and, and the shimmer at the end of the song, it leaves you suspended of like, oh my God, that's, a, it's not some, it's not a, it's not a happy ending. <laughs> I always get lost in the poetry of that song a bit, like, it's just kind of like, it's, it's very, very, like, yeah. You could probably get about 50 different meanings of it, but like, you know what I mean? Like, to me, it's just kind of like, to me, the, the two are involved, they're staying together, even if it is like so turbulent and, um, you know, uneasy, but like, it's almost like the kind of like how it's worth being like that, you know what I mean? Because obviously, they're trying their hardest to try to see it through all that. And especially when it gets to like the middle eight, where it's very chaotic and like, it, it's almost like, it's very, very hard to listen to, isn't it? But you still want to keep going with it. Like, it's, um, yeah. It, reflect, it reflects, like, sort of how it plays or the role it plays in the album. For me, it's, we have a journey, and we have a, a journey on a boat, and the journey on the boat is in the dark. He's setting off with scary voyage, black cats, and, and Godless set you up to be like, oh, my God, there is no God, or there is no power that be. I'm totally at the awe of whatever, um, what the mercy of whatever is to come then the morning comes and we go through all these beautiful things and we have relationships on deck and or have relationships with, with the surrounding areas and then 
we live our lives and have our relationships and then jigsaw happens which is like the big thing the the, the big calamitous will it fit will it happen like will it will he make it will he won't will he will he won't be and you sort of never know there's like a storm you can hear the storm happen and then something and then yeah then we don't know what but it's sort of a, a, a car crash storm sort of hurricane sort of moments right at the end of the at the end of the album it was one of them it was never intended to be a last song of the album and then when we recorded it like by the time we'd finished it we was like well like not even said anything it was just, we just got knowledge you know what i mean we're like that's how it finishes the album you know you know yeah Carl, you've got nothing else to say that yeah you kind of left it on a cliffhanger um yeah which it i guess that means you just have to do something else like on the next album to kind of i don't know tie up the end for or or, or don't you can also just leave all of us losing our minds and i think yeah. there's a lot of fun in that too so go for yeah. it yeah yeah western approaches is available now wherever you normally get your music this podcast is hosted edited and produced by myself sophia lobercaro and the artwork is by meg wilford Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.